What's up and welcome to Living the Damn Dream. I'm one of your hosts, Mike. And I'm your other host, Sarah. And this is take two, uh, which has happened a couple times, Sarah, recently. I tried to like spice up the intro and then it just crashes and burns and you're like, let's start over. <laughs> also, they've just decided to vacuum right outside my door in this building. So if you guys hear vacuuming, um, that's currently happening. But hey, what you gonna do? You get the real life stuff right here on the pod. That's it. All of the dream. Um, and I'm in my apartment here. It's been like raining all day. We're pre-recording this, so I don't know what the weather's like as you're listening to it. But if there's any crazy noises, you just guys are getting extra bang for your buck. What can I say? Um, Sarah, this is going out after July 4th weekend. We're recording it before July 4th weekend. So how is slash was your July 4th weekend? Answer it in whatever time frame you want, I guess. Are you asking me to predict the future, Mike? Kind of. Okay, well, it actually is my boyfriend and my 10-year anniversary. No way. Congratulations. On the 4th of July. That's, wow. that's kind of how we where we celebrate our like meet slash dating anniversary. Um, so yeah, so I'm going to go back from Connecticut um, or I did go back from Connecticut to spend some time <laughs> with him because he is sadly working most of the weekend, but I am not. So yeah, hopefully at this point we'll have had some nice food at a, out at a restaurant. Um, I've relaxed a bit and, um, enjoyed a Monday off. Yes. I love that about working for a company that gives its, you know, employees some holidays. Yeah, it's not bad. And that leads us seamlessly into this week's episode, uh, the FOMO episode. So usually we don't get holidays off. We don't get fun times and things like that. And by the way, congratulations. Happy anniversary. Um, I celebrated my birthday this past weekend. So it's a big weekend for for the pod. Happy uh, birthday. Wait, thank so you. Over the weekend to come slash that just was. Yes. July 2nd to put a pin in the timeline. Um, I feel like do you watch Loki on Disney Plus or no? No. All right. So that's that whole show on Marvel. They're like back and forth on timelines. That's what I feel like we're doing right now. So, um, yeah, your relationship, my life both started over this weekend. America uh, as well. So what a weekend. But normally I I'm working on this weekend uh, because in baseball, which I've worked in more years than not over the last like 10 or 15 of my career, Fourth of July, baseball is famous for that. You go to the ballpark, you have a hot dog, you watch some fireworks, whatever. And when you work in sports, you usually have to work on those holidays. And uh, Sarah has the luxury of being off this Fourth of July. Uh, me too, because of quirk of the schedule. But there's so much stuff, right, Sarah, that we love about working in this industry, but a lot of stuff that we kind of wish we had in our lives that we don't. And we look at our other friends and family that work in more traditional jobs and we get a little bit jealous and we thought we would spend the whole episode letting you guys know what it is we love about your life that we're kind of jealous we don't have because the grass is always greener right so i have a feeling that there's some cool anecdotes that we share sometimes or things you know that you live vicariously through us for and vice versa we're looking at you and we're saying oh that that would be nice um but we realized that both sets of jobs have their perks. Um, we're pursuing them, obviously, for different reasons. And, you know, it really is a blessing to be able to live the damn dream and then bring it to you on a regular basis. But just to maybe give you a little bit more of a, yeah, the reality check of sort of our emotional state, because it isn't always the dream. 
Um, <laughs> well, and I, I do, I do yeah. want to do say make one caveat before we get into kind of our list of things that we're we're missing out on or feel we're missing out on. This is in no way like us complaining because again, no. like Sarah said, we chose this, we've gone for this career. There are so many amazing things and parts about it that we love and makes it worth it. This is in no way meant for us to be like whining or spoiled or feeling entitled. We're just trying to let you guys know that yeah, maybe your grass is greener than you think because ours isn't always that green i guess yeah it, I, I think it's just to get make it sound i i ooh, wow tripping over my words okay i think it's an authentic view into some of our feelings around this stuff right because a lot of times and we've talked about this before people glamorize their lives right given the culture of social media so this is sort of giving you a peek behind the curtain as to you know the way that we feel sometimes about what happens in the fact that we've chosen the jobs that we have. And also one more caveat, I guess, because there will be a lot of sort of comparing to other jobs and other quote unquote traditional jobs, we realize that all our listeners don't have, there are other variations. Like people also aren't in entertainment or in a traditional nine to five. There's so many shades of jobs uh, in this day and age. So, you know, maybe you'll identify with us more than you actually thought. Yeah, um, very true. Which is fine. So let's kick it off with the idea of stability, right? The the quote unquote nine to five that both of my brothers have, um, that my parents had, um, you know, that comes with benefits, that comes with a 401k, that comes with people understanding what you do for a living and not asking what's next. Yeah, it's something that, and look, part of that is a reason why I didn't go that route. Um, I don't like the routine of a Monday to Friday, nine to five. I like having different days and different schedules and it keeps me on my toes. I, I get the monotony is is not for me. However, the rest of the package I love. Like I, I did work a nine to five back when I was with Guinness World Records for five years in my 20s. But even that allowed me to travel on the weekends or on nights, and then I would be allowed to have a Tuesday off in in, in recompense. So it was still like, it was the best of both worlds where you had the stability, but also the, the variety I loved. But in that job, I got medical insurance. I had a matching 401k. So all that other stuff, I do miss. And I do wish I had, because working as a freelancer, you don't get that stuff. I have to fund my own IRA, and you can only fund it to a certain cap, and it's much less than you can with a 401k with a company and you don't get any matching and you have to buy your own health insurance and dental and vision and a lot of stuff. So those things, I don't miss the nine to five. I don't miss the, you know, the, the regimented routine, but all the other stuff, the stability, knowing that I'm getting paid the same amount every two weeks, I can bank on that. Literally, I've got my retirement fund there. I got my, my health insurance, that stuff. I definitely do miss and wish I had for sure. And yeah, I mean, I did a, you know, the Instagram reel that we talked about, I guess, a couple weeks back that is oh, still shy of a million views. Get there. Watch Sarah's oh, reels, guys. But, you know, the gist of it was that if you were an accountant, nobody's asking you about your job. So the joke is I just say I'm an accountant, right? When people are saying, oh, what do you do? So I can avoid all the other questions. So like, yeah, sometimes I miss it, the ease 
at which sometimes, you know, people can explain their jobs and it not requiring a sort of set of 20 questions that then follow. Yeah, because um, even I, when I answer that, the easiest thing to say is TV host, essentially, right? Then they ask, oh, what channel are you on? Oh, well, technically it's on this YouTube stream or it's on this Facebook show or it's on uh, an Apple TV app. And it's like, oh, you're not on channel seven at 6 p.m. It's like, no, but TV's not really that anymore. And you're right, 20 questions it becomes and it's just not as easy as saying, I'm an accountant or I'm a chef or I'm an astronaut or something else, you know? Yeah. And I think, again, we kind of skipped over what our nice little, you know, segue was into this topic, but the idea of working holidays, right, that you mentioned. So a nine to five, a corporate job, a lot of times comes with the fact that you get most major holidays off. Um, in my experience in this industry, it's a toss up. You know, sometimes you work the holidays, sometimes you don't. Um, a lot of times I was at a survival job um, in hospitality that did require me to work holidays because surprise, people want to go out and eat on the holidays. More than who thought, who knew? Um, and so, you know, I think I've, I've definitely hosted on New Year's Eve. Um, I was on call once for HQ for that, just like waiting for them to see if they were going to need me or not because Scott Rogowski was trying to get back from the ball drop where he had a, um, you know, an interview. Um, I, I definitely taped for a project this past year where I would have literally been delivering food on Thanksgiving. I think it was for like Uber or Campbell's. It was some sort of branded piece where I literally would have been on Thanksgiving delivering meals to people um, for a commercial. So and I, I have in the past 100% worked a lot of my holidays. Um, and you just mentioned for you as well that you don't normally work. I yeah, mean, you normally I've work worked uh, I've worked New Year's Eve, New Year's Day, Mother's Day, Father's Day, Memorial Day, 4th of July, Labor Day. Um, thankfully, no Thanksgiving or Christmas yet. And those are my two biggest family holidays. So, But to your point, that can happen any year. Um, Easter, I've worked. My birthday, I've worked multiple times. So, so it's that, but it's also, I think, holidays in the sense of vacation time, right? A lot of people think, oh, and I'm going through this right now with my girlfriend uh, to be fully transparent with you guys. Um, it, it's, we get a lot of free time, definitely, in our, in our industry. But like my girlfriend, for example, works a traditional nine to five and she gets her vacation time and she's looking to take off you know, a couple of weeks in August to go on vacation. I can't do that. I can't take off that much time because it's the middle of baseball season. So it's not as easy as, hey, you get your three, your two, three, four weeks off every year. When do you want to take that vacation time? You can only take your vacation time around the jobs that you've booked, around the commitments you've already made. And so it's a struggle to try and plan family trips, to try and plan romantic getaways. You're basically at the at the beck and call of someone else, whether it's HQ or it's the Mets or it's display or it's the American Kennel Club or name any of our jobs, their schedules come first. And then ours have to be, you know, beholden to that, which is always tough when trying to plan stuff with other people. Sorry, my cat is scratching. So if you hear that, also <laughs> part of the ASMR happening in here, um, you know, and I, I, I want to go back and say, I, again, do realize that there are plenty of people who work holidays. Like, yeah tons of people work holidays. So this is just our list of FOMO stuff that maybe some of you um, do have showing you again, sort of the grass is less green sometimes. Um, yeah, the, the way I see it, and I got to show the positive side of our jobs, I got to go on Monday last week, 
and just day drink and brewery hop with a couple of old college buddies I hadn't seen in a while because our schedules all allowed us in the middle of a Monday to just say we're done. And one of the guys was a teacher and he was talking about how everyone always thinks teachers, oh, you get the whole summer off. You're done working at 2.30 every day. Must be so amazing and so easy uh, when that's not the case. And you know, for us, again, we know that so many people, like Sarah said, do exactly what we're doing too, just in a different way. So again, we're not trying to put anybody down. Just a reminder that you know we're not I guess, as glamorous as it always seems either. And I think with the travel thing, it's really interesting because, yes, again, we do have sometimes the luxury of like hopping off when we might want to take a vacation. However, there's like a whole process behind that because then there's the there's the actual FOMO of like missing out on jobs when you book out because we are constantly hunting for jobs. And, you know, a great example of this was I remember this past year during the holidays, I missed like two days over Christmas, uh, you know, submitting on Actors Access. And I missed a huge job because I like took one day off to like be with family. And who is to say I would have booked that job? I have no idea. But because I took a moment to be with my family, I potentially missed out on a job. Similarly, I have so often found and I'm sure you guys know, like, if it rains, it pours like I find as soon as I decide to book out with my agent, because that's one of the other things, like if you do have an agent, obviously you would have to let them know, hey, I'm going away from this date to this date. Please don't send me anything that would shoot um, during this. I A, have access to taping. So for a future project, so let's say you go on vacation, um, you want to bring like a little ring light with you and your phone and you can tape from vacation for future projects when you'll be back, fine. Or hey, you, you also can't send me anything because I won't have access to be able to, you know, email or tape anything. Um, so I feel like as soon as I book out with my agents and like book a vacation, I'm starting, I see all these projects coming in that I'm like, what? These are all like amazing, but I've already okay. booked my flight. I've paid for the hotel. And therefore I'm like, I just have to accept the fact that I'm giving up potential work and going away, which again is fine. You have to make that decision. Like what is life without living it and enjoying the money that you're making? But because it's not like a schedule, whereas, you know, we we would just be letting our bosses know they would cover our work. It doesn't make a difference in salary, per se. It does cut into our potential paycheck for the year. Even when I went to Europe a couple of weeks ago, I missed a few Mets games. And as we've discussed in the show before, uh, that's a per game uh, job that I'm not salaried. We haven't been salaried at most of our jobs over our careers. So as I'm floating on a yacht in Cannes off the south coast of France. Yeah, I'm loving that. It's an amazing life. But I'm also knowing, okay, I'm literally, I can literally count how much money this is costing me that I'm losing in addition to the money I'm spending. So you can very much see, okay, I'm missing this time. That means I'm also missing this money. It's not like a PTO situation with a salary job where that money's still going to show up for you. That money's just gone if we're not working. So like you said, it's decisions you have to make, but decisions you have to live with too. All right. So what else? Um, yeah. And I think, again, that kind of covers travel, stability, holidays, all that stuff. So I guess the next thing would be along the same lines. And it's like from a female perspective and again, chime in from a male perspective, Mike, but like, you know, something that's on my radar is obviously having a family, having kids. And it's like, when is the right time to take half a year off from work because as a woman like once I look pregnant 
you know, obviously there's a sort of niche market for that. I have seen, you know, looking for pregnant women, but for the most part, I have to accept the fact that once I'm showing visibly, I'm out of most of the jobs that I would typically get. Um, so it's not just a simple situation where it's like, oh, maternity leave paid for, or I can work up until my pregnancy or any of that stuff. Like I am committing to taking X amount of time off and not getting paid for it um, because of the freelance situation and also just the nature of have, of being on camera. Um, so it's just, again, it's just something to consider. And, you know, I think most individuals deal with the fact when they just start to want to have a family it never feels like the right time you're not like this is it this is the time yeah, there's very rarely the perfect time to say yeah let's just create humans now exactly but there's just so much more to consider when yeah again you're not getting that paid time off it's not covered in that and again your body my body is literally my bread and butter sometimes so it's like if that is changing physically there is only x amount of jobs for that and look, maternity leave and all that comes with it is fraught enough in this country uh, for anyone, let alone someone like you said that relies on their body in more ways than one to, to make a living. And I think it's a lot tougher on the acting side because at least with hosting, you know, it's something you can acknowledge. Hey, uh, our host is pregnant. Amazing. And she'll be leaving us. She can work up to the pregnancy. But if you are being cast for a non-pregnant role, that's something you can't change on camera. And maybe once you're too... Uh, Julie Louis-Dreyfus's level of fame on Seinfeld and you can shoot around that or do like the, all the tricks they do on TV to hide a pregnant actress. That's one thing. But if you're just trying to find one-off gigs here and there, then it's it's impossible, like you said. Um, the way I guess it, it kind of affects me and it hasn't yet, uh, I don't have a family yet, but I remember with my uh, now ex-girlfriend a few years ago, that was one of her big long-term concerns for us was, well, what happens when... I want to get pregnant and I'm going to need time and I want to stay with the baby for the first year at home and I'd love to leave my job. Could we count on you and this very inconsistent, uh, unbalanced career to provide for us income wise? And that was a huge question that I didn't know the answer to because at the time there was no way I could afford another human being uh, without someone else's financial help. Uh, and so that's a lot of stuff you have to think about in this business, even if you're not the woman is, you know, how, how does your profession now affect this family you're trying to build? So it, it, it affects a lot of people. And for a lot of folks, it's, it's a game changer. I know people who have been on this mental track. I'm going to just keep moving a city every two years and go to a higher market and keep hosting in, in bigger stations. Then they meet someone and they settle down and they have their kid and now they, their, their track is different. So it is something that really throws a huge wrench into, uh, into your plans. Can you really have it all? Who knows? I mean, and listen, there are people in, again, all kinds of industries, everyone deals with these questions. Um, it's just, I think the added piece of I think you said it best, like that acting, being on camera with the changes in your body. Um, and then, of course, yeah, not having that sort of paid time off if, you know, you are working for a company that's lucky, you know, you're lucky enough to get that. Um, and I think another recurring theme I'm remembering through a lot of this is something we've talked about before is that once you make it to the upper echelons of our business, then a lot of these problems go away, right? Like Beyonce can have a baby and then perform at Coachella two months after giving birth. I think I saw that in her documentary last year. Um, or, you know, if you're 
Ryan Seacrest, you can ask for a month off from hosting uh, you know, live with Ryan and Kelly because you know your job's safe when you come back. Uh, but until you get to that level, like where we are right now, where many people like us and maybe people that you follow in this industry that aren't at that mega top level, it's all stuff that we do have to deal with because we don't have that that level of, of fame or comfort just yet. I mean, I think that's that's so great. Because, I mean, not so great. It's not great. <laughs> I remember literally, and I wrote a post about this recently, like, yeah, when I hosted HQ, I was terrified to leave for anything. Like, I didn't even want to give up, like, a potential show. I would make it work because I was scared that they would, and this is no way to live, but I was, you know, scared that constantly they were going to find a talent that, you know, could do it, that they would then like more, or that was just, you know, more flexible in scheduling and therefore more convenient for them. And so like I debated at multiple times, like definitely I never traveled during that time when HQ was at its height. I 100% did not take a vacation for a long time. And then I also like remember that, and this is what I wrote the post about that there was a, I was, there was an opportunity to film a pilot and I almost didn't take that because I didn't want to leave for a week to go to New Orleans to shoot it because I was scared and I ended up doing it. Thank goodness. Because again, I realized like if it's meant to be, it's meant to be, I got to go do the other stuff that is exciting to me. But yeah, I mean, there's legitimate like scare, you know, you get scared, you're going to be replaced. And I mean, I think that's also, I mean, that again, a lot of this, it bleeds into regular, you know, I'm sure into the regular quote unquote shops as well. And the traditional, you know, path. Um, but along those lines of like things that celebrities can do that like we can't necessarily do, they can have a lot more fun with their appearance. And that gives me FOMO. Like there are so many times and in college, I used to experiment all the time with my hair color. I loved changing my hair color when I was in college. I was platinum blonde. I was a redhead. I was dark brown. Like I went back and forth until one of my acting teachers was like, you cannot do that. Like you take your headshots. Mm -hmm. That is your calling card a casting director has you come in and you don't match that exactly like you it's not good you're you know they're going to be pissed and so that being said we, we have to keep taking our headshots as we grow because if you have a headshot that's dated even if you know your hair color is the same and the length of your hair is the same like they want to know that you've aged they want to be able to see that exact like exactly how you are you should be your picture when you walk in the room so i have you know, kind of gone between different blondes for the last couple of years, but I always, I always have to stay within the same idea of being a blonde. Like I can't stray too far. And like even nails, like a lot of people have fun with their nail art, you know, like if I want to go Cardi on my nails and expect to book <laughs> a, mi a Midwestern mom role, like it's not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. They're going to see that and they're going to book someone else. Yeah, and it works the same on the hosting side. Uh, your your look is your brand, essentially. And when you think about what, I don't know, Jimmy Fallon looks like, he's pretty much looked the same for the last 30 years. And there's there's a reason for that, right? David Letterman never had a crazy haircut. It's because you, you, you've established a relationship with what you think these people are, and that's what you're going to get uh, every time. Uh, so for me, it's always kind of keeping my hair the same ish length. It's always being clean shaven because like you said, when my headshot goes to someone or my reel and someone watches me hosting or doing an interview and then they meet me in person and I look totally different. I have blonde hair now, or I have a mustache. Like that's not the guy that they were sold. And, and so because of that, uh, yeah, we don't really get to experiment. There's lots of times I wish I could just shave my head just to see what it looks like. I've never done that in my life, but I know that's going to be at least four to six months of growing my hair back to get back to what 
to what I need. And there's never that that off season or that chance to do that stuff. The pandemic was the first time I think in since I was a teenager that I was able to just say, fuck it. And I let my hair grow out for four months just to see what it was like. Cause I wasn't on camera for that time. And that was the first and really only time in my adult life. I've been able to just take a chance. Um, I grew a beard a couple of winters ago just to see what that was like. And um, you know, that was cool because I got to just see what that looked like. But then I went to one of my jobs at the time and they were like, you're going to shave that off soon, right? Like, it's cool, but that's going to go. And I was like, damn. So they, they even want me like without it. So it's one of those things too, where if you're hosting in particular and you're going through those awkward growth stages, right? Like when you're growing your hair, there's that middle part where it doesn't look good because it's not where you want it to be yet. Or you're growing a beard and there's that week or two where you just look lazy, like you haven't shaved yet. And it's not like you can just disappear for two weeks or people in your, you know, that see you day to day don't care. People are watching you live on television or, or on streaming or whatever, watching you go through this awkward transition phase. And that's not good business. So yeah, appearance has to kind of, you got to find what you like and you better like it because you're stuck in there. You're locked in there. Yeah, I, I use the pandemic as an opportunity to grow my natural color out and save money because it's expensive. Like, I'm not so far from the color that I'm currently at, but it definitely is still color treated. And I, I grew it out and it was wild to see like the grays that existed mm. and also the mousy kind of shade of brown that it was. And honestly, it was it was cool because I ended up getting a I happened to get lucky and I saw L'Oreal was casting for people who had non-color treated hair and I was able to then get my hair paid for to be colored because I had grown it out and now it all I'm, works out and then I'm now I'm back in the blonde ish cycle that I was before but yeah I too took that opportunity honestly if I had known it was going to be longer I might have even done something a bit crazier just because I miss that it's so fun yeah it is freeing and I, this came to mind because I watch uh, Hell's Kitchen Gordon Ramsay's uh, cooking reality show it's just like an easy weekly watch for me and this year's the 20 year 20 season anniversary and they have like all the pictures of him throughout the years over the wall and he looks identical from season one to season now because the haircut's the same because he's that brand he is that person and pandemic was uh, i guess a little bit of a change from that but otherwise you're getting the sarah and the mike the same ones year after year uh hope you like it because you're stuck with us uh, a couple more here um so this is one that has cost you it's uh it's been an issue i've had to deal with before uh, what we put on social media, um, what we say, what we can say, what we want to say. Do you, how much do you feel you have to censor yourself from one to 10 uh, on a daily basis because of, of how we work? I mean, I would just say too, that, you know, this is something that everyone does have to think about these days. That's true. Because, you know, like everyone's potential employers, like it's a, the, probably the first place that a lot of people are going to check. They're going to be like, how is this person presenting themselves on social media? Because I need to know how they're going to present my company. Now take that and just dial it up a couple notches. And that's, I think where we're at, right? Because I think for anyone, this is something that you have to consider. Um, and for us even more so because you are public facing for our brands, like, on that is you know they're choosing you to represent them and so i think it's just you just take that notch and you dial it up a bit um you know and again this goes back to the celebrity thing once you're a celebrity once you're established 
go off, honey. Like say whatever you got to say, defend your views, speak up. It's amazing. I love seeing people do that. But until you have the luxury um, or just the balls to do it because you just care so much about an issue, let's say, or whatever, you know, we have to be really careful. I remember, I remember like making a political post. It was sort of poking fun at something that had happened last summer. I dressed up like somebody in the political, um, you know, atmosphere. <laughs> and I lost, I mean, like even during a lot of the stuff that was happening, you know, last, last year, like I wasn't doing anything. I think that was like so political. I've gen generally tried to steer clear of that because of the nature of our industry. And like, who, you know, but it came to a point where it's like you almost had to speak up or you were also being faulted. Um, you know, people were like, well, you should use your platform. So it was like trying to toe that line of like what felt right and appropriate. And, you know, I could voice where I stood and offer my support, but also like not cost myself my job, like, or future jobs or anything like that. So yeah, the political stuff is, is hard. We have to like really work hard, extra hard, I think. And the way it just, it's like eight more steps to just like sit there, look at it and think, how is this going to be read? Is this worth it? How, you know, and it's, it's tricky. And I think also, yeah, I mean, I've talked about the client that I've worked for that I lost a job because um, my post was too sexualized essentially. And it wasn't what they were looking for, for their brand. And then um, fortunately I got that job back because I took down a bunch of content um, and now I am definitely filtering it more, but it, it still feels very online with like my vision. And that was a good lesson for me to learn because honestly, I do want jobs and like, I don't feel the need to be overtly sexual. Um, it's not like I'm, I don't feel like I'm censoring myself in that way, but I am thinking twice now. Like I, you, if you go into my Instagram, I'm not posting as many bikini pictures as I once was. And like, there's nothing wrong with a bikini picture. Like, let me just say there is absolutely nothing wrong with a bikini picture. I just have to be aware of the fact that a, too many bikini pictures for me might look too sexual for some reason to a brand. And then, you know, people will argue, well, well, you know, why would you want to work for those brands? Why not just be your true self and get the jobs or the work that you want? Well, because sometimes those jobs aren't there and we got to pay our own bills and, you know, life still comes down to or your professional career still comes down to getting the work that you can, um, even in less, I guess, tenuous circumstances. Um, you know, I come into it a lot where when you're working in, um, in entertainment, say you absolutely hate a movie. Like I got to second guess myself whether I want to tweet that because what if I'm then interviewing the star from that movie like in two weeks for my uh, company and then someone resurfaces that tweet and that gets me in trouble. Or when I used to work for the San Diego Padres and they were having a terrible season and I'm hosting their daily talk show, I very much would love to say as a, as a sports fan, I'd love to tweet or post something that, wow, what a terrible game. That was an abysmal loss. This team is trash. But you can't because you're on sort of the company payroll and you have to toe a little bit of a line. So there's always these things that, or I've auditioned for WWE multiple times, you know, wrestling, and I've been able to tweet stuff before that, oh, this was a terrible story, or I hated this match. And I actually went back and deleted all those tweets preemptively, hoping they wouldn't go back and see them 
and say, oh, this guy doesn't like our product. We're not going to hire him. That's not even anything that scandalous. That's just expressing an innocent opinion that we're all entitled to. But, you know, we can't vent about those things all the time because we work in that space and you don't want to cross any bad wires. And again, people may say, well, you know, be who you are and whoever wants you or respects that opinion, uh, you know, why do you care if other people don't? It's still a reality of the decision is that I, you know, if I, I if I really it could either work consistently or and not tweet everything I ever want to tweet or tweet everything I always want to tweet, but not work, you know what choice I'm going to make. And I think anybody would make that same decision. Yeah. So again, something we all have to deal with, but I think we just have to take a, a couple extra steps in the pause. Also quickly, what people expect from us, right? Like people for a while, as you made your social media sort of transition, which we outlined here, maybe wanted or expected a lot more of the scandalous pictures or the bikini pictures or things like that. And when you start switching away from that, a certain segment of your audience is going to be upset or disappointed. And in a similar vein for anybody that works in entertainment, you know, if I start posting Instagram pictures of like me having dinner with my parents or like very weird personal stuff, people aren't going to want that. And they're not going to respond to that. They want to see behind the scenes of what it's like to work at the Mets. They want to see, you know, uh, travel and entertainment and things like that. So if I posted pictures of what I had for lunch today, people aren't going to care about that. If I start tweeting about, um, I don't know, hard news, what the Senate filibuster is like, no one cares what I think about that. So even though if I want to talk about that, no one wants to hear me talk about that. So it's not just things that are good or bad, but a lot of times we can't talk about what we want to talk about just because people don't expect that or want that from us. Absolutely. That's it. All right. And then last but not least, I'm sure there's more we're missing, but Oh, where we live, where we live. So mostly at this point, I think, you know, you all know the two coasts. It's New York or L.A. Now, you know, Atlanta is a decent um, hub as well. Um, But, you know, we're kind of limited to these these places. And, you know, I think the pandemic has temporarily shifted the casting process to being largely remote so we can tape from anywhere. But I personally, I don't think that's going to be forever. I think some no, people will no. continue to utilize that. But even with that, so let's say for now, right, we continued to um, tape remotely for auditions. Like if you book that job or even a callback or whatever, like you have to get yourself to that location. So you know, yes, there are definitely people I know that like commute from places that are outside of those cities. So, you know, um, if you know, you want to live in Connecticut or New Jersey or Philly and commute, you can 100% make it work. Um, but we really do have to like live close to these central hubs because it's where the studios and, and really the large part of our industry takes place. Again, do I do feel that this is something that a lot of people do have to deal with. Like jobs definitely move you places. It's something to consider. But usually there are types of jobs, I think, in various locations. Ours are largely confined to like these two to three major areas. Yeah, and you'll find work anywhere in our industry, right? But the idea is you always want to progress and get to bigger places. So if you want to be in that hub or in that place where you're a success, it is New York, L.A., to a lesser extent, Atlanta, Chicago uh, on the hosting side, or you know, pick any other big city. You want to get to Boston or Philly or Miami, but the opportunities are very uh, limited once you get to a certain ceiling that you've hit. 
Um, the, the other thing that, you know, I think about with this is that and I think now the pandemic, like you said, a lot of things have gone remote and a lot of people I know their jobs are telling them, well, you can be fully remote now, live wherever you want. That's not going to be the case for us because it was for the past year, but they want actors back on sound stages or on set. They want hosts back at the ballparks, at the arenas, at the red carpets. That's going to happen. And then the other thing for me, and this is maybe a unique perspective because I'm dating uh, a foreigner, but we kind of have to be in this country too. Like for a lot of people, they think, and I know personal friends, they're like, oh, just, I just, I'm going to move to Canada. Or you know what? Living on the beach in Costa Rica and having my consulting business from there on the on the internet, that's all I need. Or yeah, I'll do half the year in Australia and half the year uh, in New York. Like I can't do that. And my girlfriend always wonders, oh, would we ever be able to live in Spain or in the UK or somewhere else? And for me, maybe I could make that happen professionally, but my whole network, my whole infrastructure career-wise is here. It's going to be very difficult for me to move to a non-English speaking country, for example, and work. That's just not like I a mean, feasible possibility. I think too, it's like you could definitely, like people have second houses. And of course, like, again, it comes back to celebrities have homes, they fly yeah. into this stuff, but that is a luxury. That is, most of us have to stay put near those markets. Um, so that we can easily commute to set because, you know, also a lot of this stuff is very last minute. Like I, like I think that comes, you know, it's and especially pre pandemic and post as we're getting away from more remote, um, auditions. Like I get an email from my agent literally the night before that's like, I need you to be at this casting in person tomorrow. So it's not like you could be somewhere and then get there if you know if you you're flying from somewhere um and so i think too it's like how much of your life do you want to spend commuting like that's something that a lot of people have to consider yeah. you know but it's like i've found that it's been super nice being in the suburbs and i'm like oh there is like i do love the city but i really love the suburb like i love being closer to nature and i and i like that and so the rents are cheaper but at the same time, I don't want to spend the bulk of my life commuting and I need to be available at the drop of a hat where where I'm at in my career right now. Yeah, I was just reading an oral history on the making of Terminator 2 and uh, James Cameron, most successful director of all time, he lives in New Zealand and then he just flies to LA whenever he's ready to make a movie like Avatar or whatever. And uh, like he can work that. That's not us. You know, you make your schedule around James Cameron if you're the studio, not if you're Sarah Priebus or Mike Janela. Like we are the ones that get told the night before, show up at this place tomorrow and we have to be where we are. Even smaller stuff like with the Mets, um, a lot of my coworkers there live out in the burbs in Long Island or Connecticut or upstate New York. And it's an hour and a half, two hour drive to come in with traffic. I choose to live closer. I'm in Astoria. It's a 10 minute drive because I also have to get to midtown Manhattan for work or I have to get downtown or things like that. So like you said, everyone's always, oh, go to the burbs. Why do you have such a small kitchen? Well, because it's close to all the jobs I have to do. And it would be, yeah, I don't want to spend that much of my life commuting either. So that's a good point too. All right. That's our FOMO list. Again, we are grateful for our- We are. Yeah. We despite everything we said. We have chosen them. <laughs> Um, and we love the adventure that comes with it. We love, you know, I mean, I do love New York City and um, I don't mind being close to my jobs in that sense. Um, and I love being able to make my own schedule and go on a random trip when I'm ready to take it and not have to ask permission. Um, but, you know, 
there now you've heard sort of what we envy a little bit when it comes to what some other people have so maybe it gives you a dose of perspective as well grass um, is always greener no matter where you're looking from i think you're right so let's go back to the jobs and see what we've come up with in our casting calls of the week let's do uh, it so this one is the biggest snub i think that we'll do on this show because i we don't like to trash talk for the reasons we mentioned because lord knows when you'll be working with this person but this person kind of snubbed us first so i saw this casting on backstage and i felt that i should i should i should read it because it's you know whatever so put them on blast do it do you know who it is do you know who it is no i'm excited i haven't checked backstage in a couple days but uh okay so i'm ready to be hurt hurt me that you and i both know personally and we tried to get to come on to the podcast, but like totally ignored both of us. And yes, maybe he's at a status now. Oh uh, yeah, I know who this is. <laughs> <laughs> so um, this is a casting for the Without You music video with Skylar Astin. Yeah, there we go. Um, he's casting 15 to 20 people for his new music video for his new single Without You. Looking for people to create a fun party and disco vibe. Um, we'll shoot in Los Angeles, July 6th. And the reason, um, that I'm putting it on here is that it says no pay. Skylar, um, you're better than that. Come talent on. Talent will receive meals and a good time and a lot of exposure for future music videos. Um, so I don't know. I mean, listen, some people, if you are excited to just get some opportunity and see what it's like being on set, maybe you're a diehard Skylar Aston fan, <laughs> and this sounds like a great opportunity. I always say pay your actors, um, but you know I had to again. Like, listen, nothing. We both we both know this person, and I would happily have him on the show. I I have nothing against him, but I saw this and I had to say at least uh, gotta check you, Skylar. Like, pay your actors for their that's time. So, that's so funny. Um, that reminds me, by the way, on a quick tangent, speaking of people we know who have actually come on the show, uh, Johnny Sibili, who was one of our earliest guests, I was watching the HBO Max comedy uh, Hacks, and he's on it. I saw him show up there. He's like on a, on a supporting role. I'm like, wait, I, like, I really know that guy. And then I wait for the end credits, and I saw the name. I was like, yes, I knew that was him. So good to see uh, uh, someone who has shown up on the show. Uh, getting a huge uh, major credit. So check out Hacks on HBO Max and our, our guy, Johnny. I love that too, because when he was on here, he was talking about how he had had that one role on Pose and then like nothing, 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 nothing. And that just shows you, you know, go go back, check out that episode. Um, but yeah, you can see what it is. Like you have nothing for a whole long while and he's got a significant credit on Pose. And then finally, like, you know, a couple years after Pose or after he was on it, maybe two, something like that. He, he gets his next role. So there you go. That's yeah. that's the life of a working actor. Love it. Um, all right. Time for my casting call of the week. This is, um, they're looking for various productions for television. And this is uh, Heritage America TV run by Richie Cyberglobus. Do you think that's a real name or not? No. I don't think so either. Um, so they're looking for all genders age 18 to 39, lead leads and news anchors for television, able to multitask and can improvise for virtual television production roles, including news anchoring. 
You need production, uh, camera and videography experience, multilingual. You have to speak a French international accent and Parisian accent. You need to have improv uh, technique experience, an English general accent, and also an England East accent. So East Anglia, Cambridge, or Hertfordshire. I don't know what that means. That's all to shoot here in the US for all of 2021. You have to live in the US. You're getting paid $11 an hour. And talent will have some type of financial motivation or compensation depending on their level of commitment and involvement. I don't even know what that means. Does that mean you have to pay them money or they're giving you money? I don't know. And then it continues, we're a production company set to win some markets in the country. This is a good place to start with for those aspiring to have a breakthrough in the industry as their level of experience is not competitive enough for bigger TV networks to get their attention. We at Heritage America Television will give you that exposure and continuously work with you in different projects if we're satisfied with your performance. Welcome on board. Um, they sent a, a YouTube video of something. It's like a sample of what we do. Uh, it's from like three years ago and it's like a 10 minute documentary trailer on this guy, Richie Cyberglobus, um, who I looked up on Instagram has 70 followers on Twitter has 63. His last or his pinned tweet was congratulations, president Trump. You're doing a great job about a year ago. I looked up the name of this television company. They don't exist. They're not on the first three pages of Google searching. And if they're not in the first three pages, then they basically don't exist. So I wouldn't recommend it. Um, and if you're Heritage America TV network, whatever, I guess work on your SEO and getting your actual uh, digital infrastructure in place. Cause I don't think anyone's really gonna, no, no talent's gonna find its way to you. I don't assume. Wow, really awesome jobs out there right Richie Cyber Globus, what a name. Sounds like a RoboCop villain or something. <laughs> Goodness. Oh my gosh. Well, next week, y'all, we're covering voiceovers. So if you have any desire to do audiobooks, break into the voiceover industry, you need to know what equipment to get to get started or how to make um, you know, money just on your own without an agent. We're gonna cover all of that here. Um, it's definitely something that people have expressed interest to me on the side that I have worked on in different forms. Um, both from, you know, the audiobook standpoint to commercial voiceover. And I'm excited to hopefully help most of you live out your damn <laughs> dreams.